the honor and the praise in Jesus' name. And everyone say, Amen, Amen. Grab your seats real quick um, and open your Bibles to the book of Isaiah chapter 43. Today we're talking about preparing for the promise. Preparing for the promise. If you've ever had a baby, you understand what preparing for a promise is all about. From the day you found out you were having a baby, everything changed. Amen? You started seeing babies everywhere. How many of you ever done that? Like, you know, you buy a car and then everybody has the same car that you have. You ever seen that? Like, you know, as soon as you find out you're pregnant, all of a sudden every baby starts to stand out in front of you. Right? You, you see it. Your babies every year. You start talking about babies with people. Right? You start, uh, you start looking at baby clothes. You read about babies. There's something, an urgency goes off in your spirit when you started, uh, when you found out about the baby and all of a sudden you start preparing for something that you haven't even seen yet. You begin dreaming about the baby. I remember when my wife was pregnant. I was sleeping one night and I had this dream that I had this baby in my hands and I couldn't see the face because the face was an egg. And it was this egg head, like egg in a shell, like not fried, right? The egg in a shell. And, and so I, I had the baby and the baby fell. Exactly, exactly. And you know, the, you know what happened to the head, right? And, and I realized what was happening to me was I was so fearful of this baby that was coming. In my mind, it was like all this fear, all these anxieties, all these, all this stuff of my own inadequacy as a father. I mean, that, that was what happened with our first baby. But when the, by the time the third one came around, the dream changed. <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was like me just staying up late at night, just going, I can't believe I'm up again another night. So you know, uh, when it comes to the promise, there's something that goes off in your spirit when you know that the promise is coming. You didn't even have to wait for the baby bump to start thinking about the baby. You didn't have to wait for the baby to come to start uh, preparing for the baby. You start preparing from, for the baby the moment you heard, you're about to have a baby. Right. Well, I'm here to tell you, we're about to have a building. Yeah. Amen. In about a year, we act like the doctor, in about a year, we'll have a big, precious, beautiful baby building. <laughs> and, and, and here's the thing. All of us need to ask, what do I need to do to prepare for this change that's going to happen in my life? You see, how do I engage? Because we can't just see this building as pastor's building or the leader's building or somebody else's building. This is our building. This is our baby. Like, look, when my wife was pregnant, I was like, oh, well, that's your baby. No, this is our baby. Amen? Amen. My life changed when the promise came. Your life is going to change when this promise comes. The question is, are you prepared for the promise? Recently, uh, as Pastor Eben, if my role at Word of Truth could change, and there was a, a shift in focus where I could start focusing on preparing ministries and preparing our department leaders for the new building. And I've been meeting with them and I've been uh, talking to them about the change coming because I want them to be prepared. Catch this. I want them to be prepared for what God has prepared for them. 
Because a lot of times we are not prepared for what God has prepared for us. So when Pastor Evan asked me to preach today, one of the questions the Lord asked me is, are the people prepared? It's one thing if the leaders are prepared, the volunteers are prepared. What about everybody else? Because I've seen churches where they've built a building and everybody uh, was supposed to move together there, but not everybody moved. Because everyone wasn't prepared for the promise. This is what happened in Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah chapter 43. This is uh, what it says. Um, I need my glasses. <laughs> i got glasses now. Praise the Lord. Verse 16 says, Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters, who brings forth the chariot and horses, uh, the army and the power, they shall lie down together, they shall not rise, they are extinguished, they are, they are quenched like a wick. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Someone say new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beasts of the field will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, because I give water in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. Watch this. This people I have formed for myself, they shall declare my praise. There's, there's something that God is recounting in Isaiah, what happened all the way back in Exodus, when He brought the people out of Egypt and into the wilderness and was bringing them to the promised land. Do everybody remember that? And so he says, I'm the one who made this way through the, the sea, and I'm the one that made the way so that the, the horses and the chariots all got collapsed right there, and they, they, they weren't rising again, they're dead, they're gone. I'm the one who did that. But watch this, and I'm making a way in the wilderness, but I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. And the first thing we have to do when it comes to possessing the promise and being prepared for the promise is recognize that God is doing a new thing. He's doing something new. This is so important because a lot of times we realize that there are people that in Israel, what happened was people experienced the deliverance, but they didn't experience the promise. They came through the early days and watched God do some powerful things. But when things started to change, because it looked different than what it was before, they couldn't enjoy the promise because they didn't experience God that way before. Are you with me so far? And so it is that what God said was, you know, uh, He said, watch it. There's some people who couldn't enter the... Do you remember when the 12 spies went in and then 10 came back with a bad report? You remember that? Okay, and then 2 came with this good report. They said, hey man, we can do it. You know what? God is on our side. And the 10 said, look, there are giants in the land. They had never faced giants before. They'd faced a sea before. They had faced uh, water that was poisoned before. They had faced no water and God spewed water out of a rock before. They had faced manna falling from heaven before. They had never seen giants before. And because now there was a new challenge and something had changed, they couldn't think about the God who did the old miracle was able to do the new thing. And so they never entered the promise because it looked so different from what they were used to. So the first thing he says is this. He said, verse 18, forget the past. Forget the past. 
If God is going to do a new thing, we have to let go of the old thing. Jesus said it this way. No one puts new wine into old wineskins. The, the, the reason is that when, when a wineskin is, is new, it's, it's flexible. It's, it's, it's very uh, soft and pliable. You put wine in there and the wine starts to expand, all the gases that it releases. And the wineskin expands to hold the wine. And, and then after a while, it gets harder and harder and harder. And the wine stops letting off all its gases. And so then it gets firm and stiff. If you put new wine in that old wineskin, that new wine is very active and volatile. And guess what? The, the wineskin can't expand anymore. So it breaks. No one puts new wine into old wineskin. In other words, God wants you and I to be a part of this new thing He's doing. He wants us to be involved. Not just to give our treasure. Not just to give our time. Not just to give our talent 360. But to give our, our talent, our abilities, our mind. To give ourselves. Sometimes... People use uh, giving of money as a reason not to get involved. Sometimes, you know what, you have people who are, uh, that need help. And so what we do is, we put, it's easier for us to put some cash in their hand than take some time to find out how they're doing. Are you with me? Sometimes that happens to the church as well. Sometimes we treat the church that way. And we say, well, at least I'm giving some money. Why do they want my time? We don't want your time. You need to be involved in the new thing God is doing. And if it's all about just paying it off and giving a tip and just putting it to the side, you'll never actually be engaged in what God is about to do. Are you with me? And so God is inviting us, you and me. He's saying, look, I appreciate your giving, but I want your mind. I want your skills. I want your gifts. I want your personality. I want your past. I want your background because that's what's going to make a difference to the people that I'm calling to this place when I do this new thing. And so the best way to engage is to serve. It's to serve. Uh, The first step in serving is to forget the past. Forget the, the hurt and the offense and the old church you went to that you felt abused at. You got to put some stuff behind you. Because there are some things that you saw in the past that have hurt you. You remember like that person who didn't call you back when you signed up to serve? You remember? Or the person who did call you to serve, but they didn't ask you how you were doing and you had such a hard time that you were going through and nobody said what's going on in your life. We've got to put aside some of the past stuff in order to get involved in the new stuff that God is doing. And I understand because, you know what, I'm working with our ministries right now. I'm working with our leaders and I'm trying to help them to understand that this isn't about your ministry. This is about what God wants to do in the lives of people. And if we just focus on our ministry, then we'll forget the people who make the ministry work. Are you with me? Amen. And so I know some of you have been hurt. And let me tell you, if that's your story, come and tell me. Don't tell Pastor Eben. I'm serious. Don't tell him. You know why? Because I, he's going to tell me anyway. And I'd rather hear it from you than hear it from my boss. How many would rather hear it from the customer than from the boss? Amen. 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 Okay, so just tell me. 
I'll fix it and he won't even have to know about it. <laughs> let him focus on the vision. Let him focus on pre, uh, feeding us and leading us. Let me focus on the problems. Amen. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Amen. So bring it to me. Man, if you felt offended or insulted or turned off because of something, a volunteer or a leader or a ministry or somebody did to you in this church, come and talk to me about it. Hey, I may not even jump in and do all sorts of things that you don't want me to do, but what I will do is make sure that our ministries treat people like they are valuable. Come on. Put your hands together if you believe that's good. Amen. So God's doing something in this church. And I don't want your negative experience to prevent you from what God is about to do in your life. We can't allow our past to hold hostage our future. We can't do that. And if you are serving, God is about to do some new things. And it may mean you have to change some of the ways that you've been serving. But that's okay. You see, the problem with old wineskins is that they're not flexible. And we can't allow ourselves to become old wineskins. We've got to remain flexible and just realize the way we've done it all this time may not be the way we need to do it in the promised land. Okay, manna from heaven is not going to happen in the promised land. We're going to have to plant. We have to go grow some stuff. We're going to have to have our own land. This is going to belong to us. It's not going to be setting up and breaking down anymore. We're actually going into a place to call our own. It's going to be different. So what worked in the past won't work for the promise. Amen? And so this is something I I tell married couples all the time. Blessed are the flexible, for they will never be bent out of shape. Amen. Amen. It's all right. We're going to change, but it's okay. You know, every time God got ready to do something new, He always told us, We've got to address the past. Watch this. Philippians 3.13. Paul says, This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and pressing toward the high calling. Uh, Reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the high calling. Uh, uh, Joshua chapter 1, verse 2. The first thing God says to Joshua is, Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. What is he saying? Joshua, you've got to let go of the past now. You've got to let go of the past. We're moving on up. Amen? Amen. Here's the second thing. You've got to forget the past. You've got to focus on Him. Focus on Him. This is all recognizing that God is doing something new. What does it mean? Uh, focus on Him. Verse 19 says, and watch this. He says, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? In other words, it's possible for God to be doing something new and you not know it. And that's sad. It's possible for God to be doing something new and you not know it. Uh, Leonard Ravenhill, uh, old-time preacher, said this, The opportunities of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of the opportunity. I love that. The opportunities of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of the opportunity. In other words, there is a moment when God enters where you are, invites you to join Him in what He's doing. 
And in that moment, you have the opportunity to be a part of something miraculous, something powerful, something life-changing, something only God could do. This is that moment. You ever, you ever uh, wish like you had money when Apple was only an iPod that you could have invested in Apple? Or when Google was just a search engine? You, you see what I'm saying? Like if, if you think to yourself, man, if I knew then what I know now, man, I would have done something a little differently because I'd have made so much money if I just knew. Let me tell you something. The opportunity is now to be a part of what God is about to do then. Are you ready? This is the now that you need to know, all you need to know. And I'm telling you, God is doing something new. And I want you to take ad- advantage of the opportunity He's set before you. Let me tell you something. Who you think are going to be the leaders in the church, in the building? It's not the people who are coming when the building gets built. It's the people who are here when the Red Sea was being crossed. Are you with me? It's the people who walk through the wilderness of the setting up and the breaking down. It's the people who struggle through everything. You are the people who can be the leaders in the promised land if you're prepared. See, so once, the, once the building starts going up, God's going to send us people. People who are looking for love and hope and peace and some kind of acceptance. And guess what? He's depending on you and me. You think, I don't know if you know this, we're going to double within six months. We're going to have more people, and more kids, and more teenagers, and who is going to serve them? You and me. But look, look, in no time, we're going to be doing three services. I know you can't see it now, but can I tell you something? Two services are not going to be enough. And we can't expand the building right now. Okay? I'm just telling you. Two services are not going to be enough. Who's going to serve in that third service? You and you and me. Because people's lives need to be changed. And God is going to send them to the church who is willing to sacrifice to make a difference in their lives. Why would God send people who need saving to some people who don't care? He's not going to do it. He's not going to do it. And so don't think, don't think in your head, oh, we have enough, they have enough, they have enough singers, they have enough musicians, they have enough ushers, they seem to have it all together. They have no, don't think that. This isn't about whether we need more people. This is about whether you need to be a part of what God is doing. You Don't let them, whoever they are, stop you from getting involved. You need it, not them. It's not about, oh, they need more children's workers. It's that I need to express my gift so God can use me in His kingdom to change a life. It's about me growing. It's about me becoming all that God has called me to be. And no ministry, no ministry leader is going to stop me from experiencing God's best for my life. Ain't going to let it happen. I'm going to press in. I'm going to get in the promised land. I don't care what giants are there. That is my promise. Are you with me? Man, clap your hands. Clap your hands if you believe that. 
can't wait till we get there. We got to do it right now. Now watch this, watch this. Okay, so we got to recognize that God is doing something new. Here's the second thing. We got to recognize that He wants to use you. Verse 21 says this. Isaiah 43 verse 21 says, This people I have formed for myself, they shall declare my praise. God wants to use you. He has formed you. In a Jeremiah 1 verse 5 says, Before I formed you, I knew you. And I called you to be a prophet to the nations. Watch this. Jeremiah was already, his destiny was declared before God formed him. And then God formed him to fulfill the destiny that he had. God already knew what He had planned for you to do and then He created you with your personality, your gifts, your talents, the things that make you you in order to fulfill what He already declared for you to do. You were born with a purpose. You are not put on earth by accident. There is something in the kingdom that God wants to accomplish through you and He has created you exactly the way you are so that you can fulfill what He already declared for you to do. That means if you are in the building and you're not doing anything, I'm here to tell you that you're wasting the potential that God has already put on the inside of you. He formed you for a purpose. All your past, all your experiences, your personality, your gifts, your talents, everything that's, that is about you, that makes you uniquely you, He put it in there so that He could use it. Ephesians 2.10 says it this way, this, this way, For we are God's workmanship. Workmanship. That word workmanship means masterpiece, design. You're like designer Whatever. Design or something. (laughs) Watch this. You were designed by God. Watch this. To do good works. Good works is ministry. It means that every single person in here has a ministry. Ministry is not just for the people on the stage. Ministry is not just for the people on the stage. Ministry is what God has called you for and shaped you for and formed you for to impact people's lives for eternity. I love uh, in Exodus chapter 35, there's a, a couple of scriptures. I just want to show you. If you're an artist, you'd really like this. Exodus 35. Look at this. Um, Exodus 35 verse 10. And every wise-hearted among you shall come and make all the Lord hath commanded. Uh, I'm going to jump over now to verse 30. Look at this. And Moses said unto the children of Israel, See the Lord hath called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. Keep going, James. And he has filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, and in knowledge, in all manner of workmanship. And to devise curious works. What a lovely word, curious works. To work in gold and in silver and in brass and in the cutting of stones to set them and in carving of wood to make any manner of cunning work. That's that's beautiful, right? And he hath put in his heart that he may teach. Both he, and so here's it, he's artistic, but he's not just artistic. He can teach other people how to be artistic too. 
That's awesome right there. And he, and both he and this guy's name is hard to pronounce, and his father's name is worse. <laughs> of the tribe of Dan. Verse 35. Then hath he filled with wisdom of heart to work in all manner of work of the engraver and the cunning workman and of the embroiderer. So they could embroider in blue and in purple and in scarlet and in fine linen and of the weaver even of them that do any work and of those that devise cunning work and look at the next next verse it says then wrought Bezalel and the same guy there and every wise hearted man in whom the Lord put wisdom and understanding to know how to work all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary According to all the Lord hath commanded. Here, here's, here's, here's what a verse is saying. God put every skill, every talent, all the wisdom inside these people. And he said, now I want you and the people who are like you to get together so they can do the work for my sanctuary. The reason you're able to teach, the reason you're able to sing, the reason you're able to serve, the reason you're able to do computer stuff, the reason you're able to to be administrative is not for you. It's for the kingdom. It's for the kingdom. God says, I put that in you. I put that in you. That's why people come to you all the time and ask you to do that stuff because I put in you and they can't do it. I didn't put it in them. I put it in there is a place for every time man if there's a place for an embroiderer there's certainly a place for you amen amen so he says what watch this you have to recognize he wants to use you whatever you have he wants to use here's the third thing we have to recognize that we have work to do we have work to do here's a catch We're most effective when we serve as a part of a team, not as a lone star. God created us to work together. We are better together. So there are four things I want to just share with you for a team. Uh, It's it's an acronym, T-E-A-M. And this is the real practical side. You can take this to work. You can take this all over. This is uh, something I got from Rick Warren, and I love it. It says this, uh, so team, four things that you need for a team to work. Number one, T is for trust. Trust. No team is successful without trust. Proverbs 20, verse 6. Proverbs 20, verse 6 says, Most men will proclaim everyone in his own goodness. But a faithful man who can find, who can find somebody who is trustworthy, who is faithful. Um, here's how you, you learn faithfulness. Here's how you, you build trust. Number one, by being consistent. Amen? Being consistent. Uh, the master was full of praises. Matthew 25, 21. He said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. Now I will give you many more responsibilities. Can I tell you something? If you're faithful in little, God will give you much. We gotta be consistent. If you're gonna turn up, if you said you're gonna turn up at a quarter past eight, turn up at a quarter past eight. Amen? My, my kids, when, you know, my kids are at the age now where they, they go out at night and they'll be like, okay, daddy, what time do you want me to come home? And I'll say, all right, look, 
um, I need to come home at 11 o'clock. Now, let me tell you something. If they come home, come home at a quarter to 11, next time they can come home at 12. But if they come home at 11.01, next time they can come home at 10. Because if you're faithful in little, I will give you... Come on now. That's how it is. That's how it is. So, I know sometimes there are people who go look at me, and they look at Pastor Evan, look at Pastor R, and say, man, I want to do what you do. Uh, here's a question. But do you want to do what we did? Because what we did don't look like what we're doing right now. We had to be faithful in some stuff that we didn't like to do in order to get to the place where God could trust us with the things we get to do. And that's how it is. So, first thing, you got to be consistent. Here's the other thing, you got to be confidential. Proverbs eleven thirteen: A gossip goes around telling secrets, but those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. You know that in our church, you can get fired for breaching confidentiality. We're very serious about confidentiality in our church. That's why in our small groups, that one of the things that we say in true group is, whatever is, says, is said in true group, stays in. Yeah, yeah, because we take confidentiality very serious. Why? Because it builds trust. The third thing is being close. For, for a team to have trust, people have to be close. And that takes time. That takes time of checking in with people. That takes time of relating with people. That takes time connecting with people. And that's why we can't just see volunteering as work. We've got to see it as people. We've got to put people above task. Amen. Amen. Here's E. E means empathy. Empathy. Empathy is, you know, sympathy, is connecting with people, is understanding where they're coming from because people need to be understood and validated. We need to treat people with respect because people matter. They matter to God, so they should matter to me. First uh, Peter 3 verse 8 says this, Finally, all of you be like-minded, watch this, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate, and humble. What does humble mean? Putting others' needs before your own. And here are three ways you do that. One is slow down. Slow down. I have a problem with this because sometimes when I'm thinking I gotta do something, I rush past people. One time this guy came to me in church and said, Pastor, um, you know what? I didn't think you liked me. I was like, what? And here's what I'm thinking. I've never seen you in my life. But that's exactly why he thought I didn't like him. Because I never stopped to say, Hey man, how are you? How you doing? Instead, I was going, zoom, 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 rushing back and forth. And because of that, his perception of me is that he didn't matter to me. Amen. All right. Number two, you got to show concern. Ask about them. Don't just talk about what your needs are. Ask about them. Ask questions. Uh, um, Proverbs 20 verse 5 says this. The purpose of a man's heart are like deep waters. A man of understanding will draw it out. We got to draw some things out of people's hearts. Because there are some things deep down. That we got to take the time to draw out. Number three. Show emotions. Show emotions. If, if they're hurt, 
be hurt with them. If they're rejoicing, rejoice with them. I'm talking to my volunteer leaders right now. Y'all hearing me out there? Amen. Amen. Uh, The third thing is A, accommodate. Accommodate. Um, This one is tough, okay? Because sometimes we don't like to, especially if we're like, um, like people who like achieve a lot, right? High achievers. We don't like to accommodate people because they slow us down. But, um, my wife and I, we are like opposites of each other. All right. Like real, like serious opposites of each other. Like when I'm warm, she's cold, you know, that kind of thing. Like, uh, you know, she, you, you know, like when she wakes up in the morning, she wants to talk. I don't. When we're going to bed at night, she wants to talk. I don't. <laughs> and here's, here's the thing. Like, like she's like super organized and I'm like, you know, you know, kind of like, oh wait, butterfly. Oh my Lord. You know, like I'm like that, right? And she's super focused, right? And, and here's the thing. That's what attracted to me, me to her, right? And then we got married and then all of a sudden it was like, oh my God, she is different. <laughs> It wasn't an act. <laughs> it created friction, right? It created a lot of friction. But, but here's what happened after a while. After a while, in maturing in my marriage, I realized I need her gifts. And she needs mine. And so I realized, hold on, she, we're better together than we are apart. And so that, that's how it is. We have, to, we have to make allowance for each other in order for us to become effective. So we got to accommodate people's um, needs. You know, what can I do for you? You know, 2 Timothy 2.24 says, The servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be kind to everyone, be able to teach, and catch this last part, be patient with difficult people. I didn't know that was in the Word. Oh my God. I don't want to be a Christian anymore. Man, we got to be patient with difficult people. You know what difficult people are? People who are not like us. That's who difficult people are. We've got to accommodate. Accommodate their needs and their ideas. We've got to accommodate, watch this, their personality. We've got to com- accommodate even their faults. Even their faults. This is, that's, that's the hard one. We know Ephesians 4.2 says... <laughs> Be humble and gentle. Be patient with one another. Watch this. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. My gosh. Here's the last thing, and I'm closing. Pastor Evan used up a lot of my time, all right? I just want to tell you this, right? He used up a lot of my time talking about who needs to get married and... saying. I'm what? Did you all set this clock backwards one hour? Because we need to do that. Yeah. Uh, praise the Lord. Alright, watch this, watch this, watch this. We got, we got, <laughs> we got trust, we got empathy, we got allowance. Alright, here's, here's the last thing. All those three don't really make a team until we have this last one. And that's mission. That's mission. So the rest of it is just a, a nice fellowship. We're all getting together. We're all enjoying each other. But without a mission, we're not really a team. You see, uh, we're not just in this together just to be together. We're here to make a difference. 
And our mission here is to know Christ and to make Him known. And here's the thing. If we're going to know Christ more intimately, we have to serve. Serving is a hallmark of who Jesus is. And we cannot become more like Him. We cannot know Him more intimately if we do not serve. Serving is not for the church. Serving is for you. Jesus said to His disciples, "What? what? If I, your Lord and Master, can wash your feet then you ought to do it to one another. Then he says this, I have done this as an example for you. What is he saying? I have served you at the lowest level so that you can understand that becoming a leader, becoming somebody important in the kingdom is all about serving other people. You cannot become like me unless you serve. Amen. And here's what I'm trying to drill in my volunteer leaders. I'm trying to drill in them this, this concept. You have opportunities for people to become like Christ. You do not have needs that people need to fulfill. That is so crucial. Because if we have enough people, then we'll stop getting volunteers involved. You'll never have enough people because there is never enough opportunities for people to grow. You have to keep coming up with more. That's like telling people, hey, you know what? You don't need to get saved because we have enough people in the kingdom. Come on now. That's like telling people, you don't need to give because enough people are giving tithe and offering. No, it's not about what we get. It's about what you do in your lives when you give, when you serve, when you get saved. It's not about numbers. It's about the life change. We need to know Him by serving. We need to make Him known by serving. The number one way people will know who Jesus is, is when we serve them. So today in your, in your bulletins, I put a list of ministries for you to look at. And if you say, you know what, I want to be a part of the new thing. I don't want that the promise takes place and I'm not a part of it. Then I want you to look at that list and to write down an area of ministry that you feel that God is saying, this is where I want you to serve. This is why I formed you. I want you to write that down. I want you to fill out that card. We're going, you're going to turn it in at the end of the service as you're leaving today. But I want you to make a commitment. And I'm going to follow up with these cards. I'm going to make sure you get at least an email this week. At least that to begin with. Because you're important to me. Amen. Bow your heads with me real quick. If you're here this morning and you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, you don't know if today if you died, if you'd go to heaven. You don't know your purpose. You don't know who God has created you to be. What He has formed you to do. Then today I want to invite you to ask Him into your life. The best person to tell you about yourself is the one who made you. You may be here and you're not a member of a church home. So, you know what? You may be saved, but you're not functioning anywhere because we're functioning.